The following audio is from LifePoint Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about LifePoint Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. Woo! That was good. Well, uh, looks a little different up here, I guess, for you. If you're a first-time guest, normally uh, you would hear me rant for about 35, 40 minutes. Uh, But today... Uh, it's not going to be like that. I, I want to start by just really saying that um, it, is, it is God's deepest de- desire to make himself known uh, and to make himself known uh, to you not only uh, just psychologically but like emotionally and in your heart. Like God really desires uh, to be known in several ways. And I know uh, everything in all of creation uh, points to either uh, the greatness and the glory of God uh, or the sinfulness of man. Uh, and, then, and then through that, uh, the redemption that comes through Jesus Christ. Uh, everything uh, we see uh, will display the glory of God, uh, the brokenness of man, and the redemption through Jesus Christ. And so uh, today, uh, we're going to continue through our book of Colossians. Uh, but today's section is really about marriage and about uh, husbands and wives. And so uh, what I've done is, is I've invited um, some people that I love uh, to trust, and uh, just really, we're going to talk through this text. Um, and, and so marriage is another display, is another picture of how uh, God is glorified and the redemption through Jesus Christ through uh, two sinners and two people joining together and how God wants to work and orchestrate through that to display uh, his glory. And so let let me also just, before we get started into this, is just say, um, we are a work in progress. Amen, brother. (laughs) And so uh, it's not that we're sitting up here because we, f- we figured out how to, how to do this by any means. Uh, but but like, like the church, if you guys are with me, we are on this journey toward what it means uh, in a marriage to glorify God. And, and, and we're just inviting you to come along with us. And so really, uh, we don't have any uh, earthly wisdom that maybe uh, God has not shown to you. But, but really, we're just here to say, um, Jesus, help us. Jesus help us. And so uh, let me introduce to you um, a couple people here. Uh, First is uh, Bill and Linda. Uh, and Bill and Linda Cow have uh, been a part of this church for a couple of years. And uh, there's a couple things that I know. Uh, One, uh, they absolutely love the Lord. All right, that's, that's, that's like so imperative that they absolutely love Jesus. Uh, And I also know that they absolutely love one another. All right, and so, and so if you know them, you know that they love the Lord, uh, they love one another. And, and here's the third thing is I know, is that they absolutely love this church. Like, they absolutely love you. And so I've invited Bill and Linda to come and, and maybe uh, talk through some of these things with us. Bill, uh, Linda, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about uh, how long you've been married and... Uh, well, we've been married about. for about 25 years. <clears throat> uh, three months, two weeks, six days, something like that. <laughs> Uh, and the 25 years seems like it's gone by super fast, and yet it seems like so long ago. You know what I'm saying? Maybe it's just getting old, but the fact of the matter is, it seems like it was just yesterday, and so much has happened between then. And so, like Eric said, we are by no stretch the imagination perfect. We don't have it together. I'm a very broken person, and God reminds me of that every day. Yeah. And yet, what I see in Scripture here is, is help transform our lives and to help us to work the way God designed us so that we can be all that God desires us to be. And so what we bring to the table today is simply some life experience, some of it good, some of it bad. We're just on the journey, like you said, yeah. trying to understand who he is, who he is to us, and what that means 
to one another. That's great. Thanks. Thanks. And, and for, for uh, those of you who don't know, this is my wife, uh, Stephanie. Uh, and Stephanie and I have been married for uh, 14 years coming up this July. Uh, we have two children, Dominic and Ellie. Uh, and so is there anything you'd like to say about that? Isn't she lovely? <laughs> I, think, I think she's the most lovely person I've ever met. Well, I might have to disagree. That's all right. Well, let's, let's start by uh, reading the text, okay? And so uh, if you've got your Bibles, go to Colossians chapter 3. Uh, Colossians chapter 3 really has just really a couple verses uh, when it comes to uh, marriage and husbands and wives. And so we're not only going to read just Colossians 3, but we're also going to go uh, to Ephesians 5 also. And so we're going to read uh, both of those. And so let's start with uh, Colossians 3. You got that up there on the board for us. It says this. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. And, and so let's look, at, let's look at Ephesians 5 as well so we can kind of get a little bit more of what Paul's trying to say. It says it again. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, also wives should submit in everything uh, to their husbands. And we're going to stop right there, and we're going to get to the men's part in just a minute. Uh, but let's, let's just talk about uh, you ladies for just a moment. Uh, and so what I'm going to do is, is I just have a few questions here that, that uh, we can discuss. Uh, the first one is, is really what is submission? I, and I know it's kind of an unpopular word uh, in, in our culture, and all of a sudden we hear that word submit, and all of a sudden we, we kind of cringe a little bit. But, but help us, Linda, maybe uh, understand, what is submission? Well, actually, it's true. We, we chose to have the word submit in our marriage vows, and there were people very offended at our wedding that we chose to have that. And so it, it, it's kind of like almost a dirty word, submission, and people mm-hmm. react to it pretty strongly. But the Greek word is a compound word that means actually to set in place under. And so I, I guess I just want to make it really clear that in God's eyes, you know, I think Eric spoke of this a couple weeks ago, there's neither Jew nor Greek nor male or female. We're all equal in his eyes in terms of our value to him, but he's made our roles different in marriage. And wouldn't you agree? It's the role. It's not the value. And so um, the way God has set up marriage to be is the wife is to be set in place under the headship or lead of her husband. But here's the rub. Um, After the fall, I mean, in, in paradise, everything was wonderful. And then after the fall and after sin came into the world, God said to Eve that, our desire would be to rule over our husbands, but that he was to be the head. And so there's this constant war that goes on within us as women with this DNA that we inherited to want to rule over the one that God gave us as a role to come under. I mean, I don't know if you <laughs> see that in you. Uh, no, I, I never. You don't? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Linda, I think I think that you're right. I think that marriage is very, very sanctifying. Sorry, I think marriage is very sanctifying because there is this desire Ooh, yeah. that the woman has to rule over her husband. Really, 
it's a desire for the woman to sin by saying, I'm not going to submit to you. And also there's a tendency for the man to say, okay, it's easier that way, yes. which is us asking our husband to sin. So you've got two sinners married to each other, and one of them is going to want to, to do things their way, and the other one is going to want to say, okay, go ahead. So um, there's the sanctification that comes in. Like we were talking before service that having your marriage in alignment with what the Bible says marriage should be is something that we can't do without Jesus. No. We, we need the Holy Spirit to operate with us. Mm-hmm. Um, you you said said this. You kind of worded it a little differently, but in my Bible, next to these both of these passages, I have equal worth, different roles, mm-hmm. because there's equal value in the husband and the wife. There's equal worth in the marriage and in the eyes of Christ, but our roles just look a little bit different. So. Yeah, that's good. So, and so we have to understand that it's not, it's not, it's a, it's a beautiful picture. Not, it's yes. not a negative, uh, d- begrudging do this or else. And, and so I think what will happen is it will reflect our view of God. If we think God is this uh, king who sits on a throne that stands there and says, you will salute me or else, you'll, you'll, you'll submit to me or else, then we think of it negatively. But God says, no, the best thing for you, the thing that's going to bring the most joy and peace is your life is when you allow me to take the lead and lead you in by still waters, to lead you into green pastures, to lead you to peace, uh, not just do this or else. And so the negative connotation when it comes to the word submit is, oh, well, I better do this or else. But rather, it's, it's a delight in God has, has wired this thing to work beautifully, and it's a beautiful picture. But what happens is, is the fall. Mm-hmm. The fall comes in, and the woman says, no, 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 I want to do it my way. And the guy is just passive, and he'll just say, all right. Mm-hmm. You know? And so it kind of leads us into our next question in, in the this, in this submit. Uh, so, so practically, tell us, what does this look like then? If, if, if we are equals, but yet uh, the, the design is to kind of be placed under, then, then what does that practically look like, do you think? Um, I, in our marriage, it's, what's it, Bill said, it's not like Eric's in the corner with the whip. <laughs> you will. Um, honestly, I mean, it's gen- generally just a conversation. It's, this is what I'm thinking, and we both weigh in, and I know that I have my husband's ear and also his heart. And later when we talk about the man's role being to love his wife as Christ loved the church, um, just that, that knowing that he loves me that way, mm makes me very confident that I can trust him and that he's not leading me to harm. He's not leading our family to harm. And um, generally speaking for us, it's just a conversation and we come to an agreement most of the time. And there, and then sometimes there's maybe a stalemate and that's when I just have to trust the Lord because it's not just submitting to Eric, it's also submitting to the Lord because Jesus is the one who has commanded me to submit to my husband. So ultimately submitting to him is submitting to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I trust you with my marriage, I trust you with my family, I trust you with my life, and I trust that he is hearing from the Lord. And maybe I haven't yet, but I'm trusting that Eric is obe- obeying Christ, and I'm going to follow in this situation. Yeah, that's good, Lena. So, so what would it look like for you guys practically to submit? And maybe, uh, maybe it leads us into the next question is, is what, what is it that, uh, what are some times that it's difficult <laughs> To, to handle that? Never no, difficult. it is never difficult for him, actually. No, actually, um, the heat of the emotion 
it's never good. I don't think on either person's part. It would probably be wiser to take a little time to get your heart right before the Lord. But for me personally, when I don't feel he's taken the time to listen or understand me, it's very difficult. And in particular, because um, we have the same situation, we, we agree pretty much, but sometimes when there's this stalemate, if I don't sense that he's adequately been before the Lord or prayed it through or can really um, explain to me his thinking spiritually and how he's really invested time in it, then fear comes up. And when I'm afraid, then it's really hard for me to submit to him. And I'll just share this with you. The very first marriage conference we went to, our first year of marriage, we'd only been married about four months. But a pastor's wife got up and said, you know, women, we're so afraid to let our husbands make mistakes because we're going to have to live through those mistakes. She said, that is the best thing you can do is to trust God that even if he makes a poor decision, that God is going to bring good out of that and mm. he's going to grow you and grow your faith. And I always remembered that. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't always live that when fear comes up. But I've always remembered that, you know, I, I guess I've been given the DNA to be afraid, mm -hmm. to trust, you sure. know. Mm -hmm. Sure. So, so what do you think are some things, ladies, that, um, that can help maybe uh, us as men in order to help you um, just really live your role well? I, I think first of all, your relationship with the Lord will help me. Um, if I know that Eric has spent time with the Lord and he's really sought God on something, then it's easier for me to say, yes, I can see yeah. you spent time with the Lord. Um, also, patience. I I am like the epitome of the knee-jerk reaction. So if there's something that shocks me or that's outside of my comfort zone or doesn't seem so easy, then my instant reaction is to completely black out and to be like, nope, we're... Uh, mm, mm. So I think that for me, just patience and... Um, and explaining your heart to me is a big thing. I want to know where you're coming from. And I safety and security are idols in my life big time. And so anything that, like you said, yes. takes me out of my comfort zone. Like, I know it's safe right here. Right. Over there, it's a little scary. I've never been there before. Yes. Um, we, when we were in Cameron, we had a thriving youth ministry there. And... God was doing amazing things, and we had good friends, and Eric says to me, I feel we need to move back to St. Charles and Church Plant, <laughs> and that's, that's a very extreme example of my instant reaction is, we've got a really happy life here, and I really love this. I love our ministry, and you're saying we should move far away from here without a house, with a church that doesn't exist yet, people that we don't know yet, no building, no income. What? And, <laughs> but Crazy. I, I knew that Eric had really sought the Lord and he prayed not just on his own before coming to me, but he prayed with me through it. And then we sought the Lord together yes. so that ultimately God isn't going to call your husband to something, ladies, yes. that he doesn't also call you to. He's, he didn't call just Eric to come and do this thing. He called both of us as a couple to come and do this together. Um, so I think that leading part of him leading me well, husbands, part of leading your wife well is leading your wife to the throne of Christ yes. and praying with her and on, on these, these kinds of things, um, leading me well was leading me to Jesus. So. And I would say the same thing, that for one thing, um, 
I don't know, I think, I'm sure you've heard it, that women have like 25,000 words in a day and men have, what, 500 or something? <laughs> something like that. So, like, in our marriage, it's, could you please communicate with me what you're thinking, what you're feeling? And we had a very a similar thing. And, and um, as he was raised up to pastor, he was actually an, an engineer in an environmental engineering company. And he said, well, I think the Lord, I can't do both of these things. I think the Lord's maybe calling me to, to quit my job as an engineer, you know. And I'm like, uh. And he had been thinking about this for a long time but had not been sharing with me. And so he had kind of come to this conclusion, and it felt just like like probably the same thing. And so um, he went out, and he kind of lined it all on paper, what he was thinking and what God had given him. And, and then I, even though I was still afraid, I felt the peace to, to move forward. So if you would share your hearts with us and what God has been giving you mm. regarding decisions, you know, it, I think that builds a security yeah. in us. Yeah. So, so back to kind of the 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 dna from the fall of of genesis and so there there's this constant pull uh for ladies to to not necessarily to do that uh in love but really to just if if he's not going to do it i I mean something's got to be done and so i've got to lead this thing i gotta take this thing and so maybe maybe talk to us about well how do you how do you um how do you lead in love and how is that how is that really a faith issue uh, versus just maybe a relationship issue, um, and, and maybe talk about how, um, how how wives or women can kind of confront their their husbands with with love. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I keep saying this, and I'm thinking to myself, like, I don't want to come off as when I'm doing it rightly. Let's put it that way. I remember my DNA. I remember that. If I go in right now, I'm going to rule. I'm going to rule over. I'm, I'm, I talk faster. I'm louder than him. Um, and so if I can remember that and pray first, that would be like a positive, yes, yeah. an ideal. Um, there's a verse that I memorized years ago when we first got married. It's Proverbs 14.1, and it says, A wise woman builds her home. And a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. And that was always very sobering to me. And somehow I connected my propensity to lead as a tearing down, as as me taking part in tearing down. Mm. And so that was a verse that I would remember. Um, And I guess I also wanted to say as as an aside that, you know, I've known a lot of women in my life. and, And some women are really strong. Some women are really quiet, but we can rule over husbands in many ways, not just with words. We can rule over them by withholding sex. We can rule over them by manipulating them. We can rule over them by the silent treatment. Mm -hmm. So I I wouldn't say it's just this uh, rolling pin wielding woman that you think of. Mm -hmm. And so it's all of those. It encompasses all of those. And I guess the most important I would say individually for you is that I have become a student of my husband and my husband is different than Eric. Mm -hmm. God didn't have me marry Eric or your husband. He had me marry mine. And so I've become a student of him of when it's a good time to approach him and, and the things that I do that hurt him, even though I don't mean to hurt him, the things that I say and, 
And I've asked him, well, how could I have shared that differently? Or how could you have received that better from me? And he'll tell me, well, it was the timing. Or, um, and so I, I would encourage you to become a student of your husbands and husbands to become a student of your wife. That's good. How, how, how is just really in this relationship um, between, between your role and, and mine um, a faith issue uh, toward really trusting in God and, and, and his goodness for that? Yeah, I think, I think it is completely a faith issue. Um, like I was saying earlier, it's not, it's not just submitting to your husband, it's submitting to what the Bible says, that the role for, is for marriage. And with that comes faith that God is going to protect you. He's going to protect you and your marriage and your children and your, your home. And, um, and there's also joy and peace that comes from that. When you're, when you're living your life in alignment with Scripture and what it's commanded for that, for that relationship, then there's going to become a joy and there's going to come a, a peace because you're saying, I'm putting this in the Lord's hands right now. And he's, he's made marriage to be in this kind of an alignment. And I'm going to say, okay, God, you're the head of our house. Eric is... Eric is submitting to Jesus. I'm submitting to Eric. That's the way that the Bible's laid it out. That's the way we're going to live our lives. And there's peace and joy and a burden lifted that comes from knowing you're walking in obedience with Christ. And, and God's glorified in that. He's glorified in that marriage. That's good. Well, as a, as a, as a young church, um, for all the, all the ladies who are not married in this place... Um, that have already kind of changed the channel saying that that doesn't apply to me. Uh, let's talk, talk to us real quick um, for single ladies. How does this even apply? Does it even apply? Is this, is this not relevant? How does this even work out? And, and so what would you say to maybe the single women? Well, it's kind of neat because I was afraid, you know, as young as we are, that we're going to have half of the body here just go tune out. Like, Why'd oh, I come today? Come on, you know. Um, but then the Lord reminded me of my treasure box, and um, I got saved when I was 34, no, 32. I got married when I was 34, but um, I had done a lot of living prior to that, and I had been in a lot of unhealthy relationships, and so when we began to get close, I asked him, I said, I, I want to know why it is you think you love me. Mm-hmm. He hadn't asked me to marry him yet, but I said, what is it about me, and so he wrote me a, like, four-page typewritten letter. And, um, of course he would. And it's <laughs> dated July 4th, 1988. It's all yellow, and it's almost falling apart where I full opened it. I used to carry it in my purse, every purse. And, um, but it has a lot of things. But for me, I mean, you wouldn't know it now at my age, but, you know, a lot of things had been about how I looked you know, and if I gained weight, well, then I wasn't acceptable anymore. And so there was this real fear of being accepted and loved for what I did. And so I, as I was thinking about you single women, um, I mean, I didn't know any of the Bible. And so I was trying to obey things as God revealed them to me. It was hard, you know, because it was like Greek. But um, this is one of the things he said, you know, I, I accept you. I appreciate you being able to accept me for who I am, understanding my strengths and weaknesses. Your gentle and kind spirit have been an example and a drawing card to many. I've noticed that you're not overly aggressive and contentiously outspoken. (laughs) 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 
my face. No. Uh, it makes the difference between happiness and havoc in the home. I cannot tell you how much it means to me to see that you're submissive to Christ and to me. Not that I would by any means ever lord it over you, but that you could trust God to work in your life through me. I am realizing that it is a huge responsibility, and therefore I need to take more time out to listen to him. And so God reminded me of that, that as you're walking as a single woman through life, it, it really begins with submitting with, to Christ. Yeah. Like, I don't know that I would know how to submit to him if I hadn't had a, reached a point in my life where I surrendered my life to Jesus. And I remember the exact time and moment where I said, you are God, I am not. Mm-hmm. I may not like it, I'm, but I will do what you ask me to do. You're going to have to give me grace. You're going to have to be patient. But I will do what you say to do because I realize that my way has yielded a lot of pain and a lot of hurt Mm -hmm. and a lot of damage. And your way could only be better. Mm -hmm. And I'm here to tell you that it is. Mm -hmm. It is. And so just to begin submitting to Jesus in, in small ways, all of it, you don't have to be single. I mean, we all struggle with that. Because in the same way that we we want to rule over our husbands, we don't want to obey Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd also say for the ladies who are single, um, the decision of who you're going to marry and spend your life with is the single biggest decision you will ever make outside the decision to accept and follow Christ. Right. Um, so in in dating relationships, in engagements, continually look at this man and think, do I trust him with my heart? Do I trust that he will lead me to good, to not harm, that he will lead me to Jesus daily? Do I trust him with my future family? And if you're thinking, "Mm, no, but he's so great, and he's got so many other characteristics that are good, let me tell you, sister, that (laughs) (laughs) following someone you don't trust that's, that is not a recipe for happy marriage. So I just would encourage all the single ladies, all the single ladies, to, <laughs> to, to really just consider the weight of that, whether it's a first date or a first phone call, that, that you're, you're really evaluating the fact that if this is somebody you're going to spend your life with, then it's not that you're going to say, I do, and then he's going to become a leader that you're willing to submit to the leadership of. If he's not already that, that kind of person who is truly listening to Christ and is willing to lead you in a godly way, then it's not something that's going to eventually happen after you get married. Sure. So I, I, that I would just have Yeah, I, would, I think, too, that, that also applies to, to, to married ladies. Is, is the question is, do I trust Jesus to lead my life? Do I trust Jesus to, uh, to guide me? Do I trust Jesus is after my good and not to harm me? Do I trust that Jesus? And so the, there's a disconnect between the way that we trust God and the way that we'll trust our husbands. And wherever that disconnect falls between here, it will also fall here. And, and so really for, for, all, for all of us is just saying, okay, where have I ceased to give God saying, God, I trust you fully by faith to lead me in, in every in every aspect of obedience. Okay, uh, let's let's go on to the most difficult part of the text, uh, and so. <laughs> the easy one, honestly, I believe we could. Don't yeah. you? Yeah. 
we were talking about that before that really our role our role's easy our husbands have to love us well they and lead us and hear from the lord we just need to trust them so oh, so okay and so we're going to get into the guys part and bill's going to read uh, the ephesians uh but i don't want any of this did you hear that I, I can see L- elbow listen up. From uh, but I'll, I'll just say, dudes, listen up. Okay, here we go. Uh, he, but, didn't, he, didn't give that, he didn't give that instruction before we started speaking. Oh, yeah, guys, don't be like, hey, did you hear that? <laughs> Sorry. All right, let's jump into Ephesians chapter 5. And guys, this is for us. Listen up. He says, husbands, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we're members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. It's profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Guys, this is huge. And I, I really think what the girl said is true, that, that the onus of leadership and responsibility is set squarely on our shoulders. And so, Eric, I have a question for you. <laughs> and it starts here in, in verse 25. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. What does that mean? How did Christ love the church? Um, well, I talk about this every single week. Uh, and so th- this, this is something that's very... Uh, it's very wide, it's very deep, and, and it, has, it has so many different levels of, of how Christ loves the church. But, but if, if I were just to kind of take out of my heart and just say, this is how I've seen scripturally, and this is how I've experienced that Christ loves the church, uh, it would start by a, um, an undeserved favor, uh, an undeserved love that, that God has, Christ has for me. And, and I would say outside of that, everything else flows because, because it says, Ezekiel 16, it says, while you were dead in your sin, while you were wallowing in your blood, while you were broken, I saw you, I grabbed you, I clothed you, I dressed you, I put fine ornaments on you. Uh, Romans 5, it says, while you were a sinner, I loved you. While you were broken. And, and so I think about all the times that I am in the middle of my sin. In that moment, he loved me. He didn't say, okay, clean yourself up and then I'll love you. Get better and then I'll pursue you. Do these things and then my love can be complete in you. Ephesians 2, it, it says it is by the grace that we're saved. I was dead in my trespasses and sins, but his mercy. Mercy is not receiving a punishment that I deserve. And so if you want to talk about Christ's love, think about all the ways that we do not deserve his pursuit and his love. And, and it reminds me of, of really a, a story in, in Hosea in the Bible um, where, where, where there's this prophet, Hosea, and God says, hey, I want you to pursue uh, this prostitute. And he's like, say what? A what? 
No, no, I'm going to make you fall deeply in love, and you're going to pursue her, and she's going to reject you, and you're going to pursue her, and she's going to reject you. And, and there's going to be this, this hurt in this heart. And so the way that I see that Christ loves the church is, is this way that says, I love you despite what you can bring to the table. I love you despite what you do or your inadequacies or your short. Despite your response, I will love you. And so when I think about how Christ loved the church, uh, that has got to be the forefront. And so, my, again, it flows from here, and my, my faith in God is just saying, Lord, help me know your love. Help me know your love deeper. Uh, because without knowing your love, this text is impossible for me. It's impossible. That's true. I, I, I just have to agree with that 100%. Unless we have Jesus to give us the grace and the power to do this, we can't do it. Uh, we just can't. With Christ, I struggle with that sometimes. And so we have to have the power that God gives us in order to begin to be able to fulfill what it says. When, when, there, when there's a disconnect between submission and you look at Jesus not ruling over the disciples but rather washing their feet, mm-hmm. like how would you not submit to that? Like how would you not love in that? Like he's on his face and... Washing the feet. And so that is the way that Christ loves the church. Um, Bill, okay, so let me talk to you about practically um, how do we then love that way? If that's how Christ loves the church, I mean, that's, like Lena was saying, that this is, it's much more difficult uh, for guys. So how do we practically do that? I don't have the answers. I don't have all the answers. I've got some years of experience to draw on. I think probably the first thing that comes to my mind is that unless we understand what you said, Eric, at our heart level, there's no way that we can give it. We can't give what we don't have. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so until I've been able to experience God's love for me, not just in my head, in my heart, there's no way that I can turn and try to love her like that. I can't do that. Uh, I think the D word, divorce, has never been in our vocabulary. And day one, 25 years ago, I, I, I made that rule on our house. We will never use this word. Hmm. Christ has never used that word for us. And things may get tough, and things will get tough, but that's not an option. So we're going to work it out. Um, how do we love our wives as Christ loved the church? You know, as we think about this, interestingly enough... One of the ways we can do that is by talking with our wife. Mm-hmm. Just talk with her. Talk long, talk deep. Move my words from 500 to 10,000 or 15,000. I do have thoughts. I just don't always articulate those. And if you look at the Bible, the Bible is a book of God talking to man. Isn't it? That's all it is. And as Christ loved the church by talking to her through the written word of God, through the Holy Spirit, through other Christians here, one of the ways I can practically love my wife is by talking with her, sharing what's on my heart, telling her why I'm going to quit this business and start this over here. Not just popping the question, or the answer in this case. No, this is my thoughts. What do you think here? I think the second thing is to actively listen to her. And we've had this discussion. I'm sure you guys have too. If you've been married at all, I'm sitting there watching the TV, and she's saying, I'm going to talk about something. Okay, you know, and she's saying something. And, 
And she said, what do you think? Well, probably. She says, you're not listening to me. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I am. I can, I can do two things at once. You know what? I really can't. <laughs> I can't do that. So you know what I've learned is to turn the TV off. I'll look her in the eyeball. And I'll say, okay, tell me what you're thinking here. And she has my full attention. And so I can listen better, but she feels heard. She feels loved. This is how Christ loved the church. He listens to us. We don't have to have an appointment to, to pray to God. Three weeks from today for 15 minutes, I've got some things I want to talk to you about. I'll write you in the schedule book. Mm-hmm. No, any time, day or night, it's about communication. He designed us to have a relationship. And if we have a relationship with God, he wants us to have a relationship with our wife as well. That's good. I think the other thing, as I'm just kind of thinking through these things, he was the first to pursue us. For God so loved Bill that he gave. We need to be aggressive in our loving, aggressive in our giving, in our pursuing, in our forgiving. We need to be the first. The onus is on us. Just as Christ loved the church, so I need to love my wife in that regard. Yeah, so, so when there's a conflict or there's something that's disconnected, it, like men, we're the, we're the first. I mean, we, don't, we, don't, we don't give the silent treatment. We don't give the hand. We, we're the first to pursue, men. We're the first to step out. We're the first to forgive. We're the first to initiate. We're the first to go. And because Christ did that with his church. And so here we are as a reflection. And if we feel like uh, God... Um, if ladies feel like that God doesn't listen when they pray, um, then, then I, can't talk to, I can't talk to my husband because he, he's not listening. God absolutely listens. And so, God, guys, we need to be listeners. We need to be full attentive because God is full attentive with his church. And one thing that gives my wife security is her knowing that I've spent time before the Lord. Because I can be a decision maker. Okay, let's do this. Well, have you really thought and prayed about it? Yeah, I, I, I have a peace, but that doesn't mean I got before God about it. And so she pushes back a little bit, and, oh, you know, I'll, I'll go pray about it. And sure enough, guess what? Maybe God changes my mind. But it gives her great peace and great sense of security to know that I've been before God with the issue first. And so if we disagree, ultimately, I'm, I'm responsible before God and before her, but she knows I've, I've invested, invested my time with her life before God, and praying and asking God for his direction. So there's a real security that comes from that. Mm-hmm. It took me a long time to learn that. <laughs> Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to say this, is that I know because of our DNA, like there's this passivity that wars with you to be the initiator. Mm-hmm. But as much as your wife may not appear like she wants you to do that, she wants you to lead. I mean, I, I guarantee you she wants you to lead. She may push back. She may criticize. She may do everything that pushes your DNA that makes you want to p- be passive. She is begging for you to lead out. I mean, I don't know how I can. Would you agree? I agree completely. We are begging because it makes us secure. That's good. Okay, so talk to us about, um, let's talk about just kind of the single dudes in the room. Um, and so what does this look like for us, and, and how, how, can, how can the single guys just really prepare themselves um, to do this well? Yeah. Well, you got some time to prepare, by the grace of God. <laughs> it's not on you here. 
So some of you may be engaged, some of you, no hope on the horizon, it's okay, your time's coming. I guess the first thing that I would say would, would be to fall in love with Jesus, guys. Yeah. You've got to understand his love for your heart. Not just here, if we were to ask this question, how many of you believe that Jesus loves us? Raise your hand. Okay, we all got it here. But when push comes to shove, how many of us really know that when the when the cards are laid down, when the circumstances are bad, when criticism comes, how do we know that we're totally and completely loved? We've got to get it here. God wants us to, to, to be at that place where we understand, not just with our, our head, but with our heart, that we were fully and totally loved. Because, again, you cannot give what you don't have. And this takes a while. It doesn't just have, wake up one morning and come to church and we have this great service and you walk out the door thinking, I know God loves me. It's a process. It's a journey of getting sure. it from here to here. So, guys, take the journey because you cannot give what you do not have. I think the second thing would be uh, to look at women not just as objects. And I'm not just talking sex objects, but, but servitude objects. You know, when we get married, she's going to cook every dinner and she's going to do the clothes and sweep the floors and... You know, I'm going to catch up on the game here. And we have these distorted views of what marriage is going to be like, you know. And so we need to realize that they are equal in the sight of God, that their life is just as important as yours. The only difference is the role which God has given to us. Yeah. But as far as human beings go, they are exactly the same. That she stands before God, I stand before God, and my job, my responsibility to her is to love her in such a way as she can become all that God wants her to be. Alongside of that, there, there's, there's an aspect really for us as guys. Uh, one, to, to know uh, how Christ loves us is probably the, the single most important thing. Uh, it, because if, if you're not doing that now, it's not like one day you're going to get married and say, okay, I need to figure out how to love her. It, it, it's, it has to be every single day. I need to know. And, and, then, and then another thing that I thought of while you are talking, Bill, is is you've got to, guys, you've got to take responsibility for your life. Amen. Amen. I, mean, I mean, seriously, if, if, if we're spending more time playing video games than we are looking for a job or how to run my life, uh, then, and then you're expecting someone else to follow you or submit to you? Are you kidding me? Like, that would, really? That would be scary. <laughs> Like, like, guys, I mean, at some point, there's got to be taking this ownership that says, my pursuit of Jesus is the most important, and I need to, I need to, I need to start taking ownership of my life uh, and, and begin to, to step out in faith and saying, this is what I need to do to make sure my, my life is in order, uh, because what will happen is your sin will affect generation after generation after generation once you're married. And, and so pursue Jesus and, and just really take some responsibility. I would agree with that. Responsibility is huge. And take it now and begin to bear the way because when God brings a woman along who is going to meet, meet who you are, your person, if you will, that's not the time to start learning. Start now. So we, we, we talked about some barriers, and really the, the barriers that we talked about is, is this, this Genesis 3 fall that we, we are sitting in. Is, is guys, we, we have this nature to be passive, and women have this nature now to rule. Uh, and so there's always going to be this, this passivity in men. And so uh, the, one of the barriers is, is understanding what that is and, and, and pursuing Christ to help you through the Holy Spirit 
uh, to, to forgive first, to lead first, to, to go first. Um, and, then, and then the other barrier is not knowing Jesus personally. And so really the challenge is, is, is how do we as men grow in our knowing our relationship with Jesus Christ? And so it, it kind of leads us to the last question. Um, Bill, what, what advice can you give to men um, who desire really to lead their wives uh, in this way? And so what, what's some things that you would say this uh, is the start? I, I think the only place to start is on your knees. <laughs> God, help me. Cause, sorry. That's why I love him. <laughs> He's so tenderhearted. Sorry? He talks about God and Jesus. Because this is the only hope we have. I cannot love her the way I need to without his help. And so I have to start on my knees and say, God, give me the grace, give me the courage, give me the wisdom, give me the vulnerability to lead out, to know even what to do and how to love. Mm -hmm. And that's the starting place. If we don't start there, it won't happen. Share that. Oh, yeah. Um, 25 years ago when I got married, part of my vow to her you know the standard wedding vows and, and uh, you know, whether rich or poor and health or sickness. And then there's this last phrase, and it said, realizing my inadequacy, I gratefully receive or accept God's offer of grace to me. And I knew I couldn't do that. We cannot keep these marriage vows that we make on our own. We can't do that. But I knew God was offering grace, and I just had to own my inability to do this on my own. But, Lord, I gratefully received what you had to give. Hmm. And I've needed that for the last 25 years. Um, again, I think spending, spending adequate time just basking in the love of God, the more, and we, it just doesn't come on you. I need to be refreshed every day, every day, every day that God loves me unconditionally, completely, without, without uh, jot or tittle. You know, I am who I am, and he loves me that way. And I am loved. If I can learn to live loved, I can give love. We cannot give what we don't have. Yeah. We, we, we talked about um, just kind of some next steps. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and so that's good. I think all of us guys are maybe at different levels. And so talk to us just real briefly about... Okay, what do I do? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I've had a lot of guys ask me that over the years. And, and we're all at different levels on our journey here. Some people have been saved for 50 years. Some people just came to Christ six months ago, three months ago. What do I do? How do I begin to do this? And, and my answer to that is simply initiate. Do something. Guys, if you're, if you're not praying at all with your wife or with your family... Start by saying, you know, t- tonight at dinner, I'm going to pray for our dinner. Can I do that? And at dinner time, we bow, and we're going to hold hands, and we're going to pray and thank God for our dinner. And you know what? You can do that tomorrow night, too. And all of a sudden, what's going to happen in your wife's heart is this. <gasps> He's leading out. Wow. It's really what I've always wanted. Now, she won't tell you that right off the bat, <laughs> but she's going to think this. You see... Um, this whole idea of initiating, women tend to be more spiritually minded or prone to connecting with God than we are. And oftentimes they go to Bible studies and we're working and, and we feel like our wife just knows so much more than we do. 
And so I have to know more for me to lead, and that's a lie. All you have to do is step out, do something. Can you pray? Can you thank God? Can you come to church? Can you get involved in a life group? Just initiate. Oh, that's all you have to do. And all of a sudden, God begins to show up. And all of a sudden, you start to make pro- progress in, in learning what it means to lead your life. And, and learning to lead your wife and to love your wife as Christ loved the church, this is a lifelong deal. We won't be finished tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Not by any stretch. But it's a first step in the process. Just a step. And I would encourage you guys to think through, what is it that I can do? How can I step out and initiate if I've not initiated before? And wives, I would say let them yes. initiate yes. because this, this is a thing I hear a lot is, I wish my husband would lead us yes. in family worship. We'll use this as an example. And then the husband wants to, so he says, I'm going to start leading our family every night in family worship. And two nights in, she starts doing this. Because she doesn't like the way he's leading. And then the next night, she'll be like, "Mm, why don't you do it this way? And try to take back over. And that is where we keep talking about Genesis 3. That's where it's easy to fall back into that pattern of, well, she doesn't like the way I do it. She obviously thinks that she can do it better. I don't want to fight about this, so I'm just going to let her do it. So as Bill's talking about husbands who desire to lead, just, just take the initiative and lead and wives. Let Have them. faith and let them. Let them. Let them. Mm-hmm. And I, I really think I mean, God will bless that. And it might be a little scary to say, here you go. I'm going to hand this lantern to you and trust that you're not going to get us lost. But yeah. it's, it's important. That's good. You have something? I guess I would say um, a little deeper on that is to create a safe place. Mm. You know, I, I shared this when we were talking that there was one time in early, early in our marriage where I think it was that time of the month and I was little, but there had been something I had been asking him not to do, you know, very nicely, and he did it, and I just snapped, and I was very, very harsh with him and said something very unkind, and God allowed me in that moment just to see his face just crestfallen and his shoulders just drop, and there's a there's a place in James where it says, you know, out of the same fountain comes blessing and curse, mm-hmm. death and life, and that's our mouth, mm-hmm. our words. And I don't know, there was just some powerful, like God letting me see this picture of how my words had, had brought death to him mm-hmm. and hurt him. And I just remember vow- just saying, God, please don't ever let me see that again because of something I've done. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I would say that having been around a long time, Men are much more fragile emotionally than than they let on to be because there's all these walls and things. And so we have to create this safe place. Well, and wouldn't you say, Linda, that because our husbands let us see a side of them that nobody else yes. sees, they're vulnerable with us in a way Very they are with vulnerable. anybody else, we have the power to hurt them in a in way a d- no one else can. Exactly. Yeah. Any, somebody Anyone. could say something to Eric, and he can brush it off. I could say the exact oh, same thing in the exact same way, it and in. it cuts. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's and that's the power we have to either bring life or death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know, that, I know that we've gone a little long, and so if you're visiting with us, uh, it's, this is normally not like this, but I hope you're encouraged today. And so let me, let me just challenge you with some, some takeaways, okay? Uh, first of all, men, uh, we're, we're created for battle. Okay, and so, and, and so we want to fight stuff. It's why, it's why we love sports. Uh, it's because it's make-believe battle. 
All right, and we, we fight and we war and, and we want to conquer, we want to build, we want to cultivate. And so we're, we're, we're designed for this, this kind of mentality to, to take charge and, and, and eat raw meat and, and hit something with a blade, right? Uh, and, and, so, and so what I, what I want to encourage you in is, is what would it look like for us to begin to make war uh, for our wives and for our families and for our children and for our futures and for the next generation, whether you're, whether you're single or you're nine, ten years old and you're going to get married somewhere? Wait, what, what would it look like for us to begin to make war now to say, I'm going to pursue God, I'm going to pursue his heart, I'm going to know how Jesus loves me so that one day I'm going to be prepared for the battle when it comes so that I can dream big for my, for my life life and for my, my family. Uh, and so I just want to encourage you guys, uh, whatever ways you don't know the love of the Lord right now, I would say go after him, chase him, be vulnerable with the Holy Spirit right now, and let him speak into your life and say, give this to me, give this to me, and let me love you. And so, uh, ladies, l- let me just challenge you this. Whatever ways you're not submitting right now to Christ will overflow into the way that you will eventually love your husband or the way that you do love your husband. And, and so what are the ways right now that you can just say, Lord, I need to give you all of me. I need to submit all of me to you now and forever and, and have the Holy Spirit begin to reveal uh, those things uh, in you. So right now what we're going to do is we're just going to, I know we've gone long, we're going to just do a, a couple songs, but I want you to right now just begin to respond. Uh, not respond to me. Uh, not respond to your neighbor, but really respond to God and say, Lord, what do I need to submit to you? What do I need to give to you? And, and, and guys, how do I need to know your love more? And, and so will you just pray with me as the band comes up? Jesus, I know that you are for my good. And I know that your love knows no ends. I pray for men right now in this room that we would desperately, desperately seek to know the love that you have for me. Jesus, you came when I was dead in my sin. When I was wandering the other way, when I was going astray, you came to me. You lived the life that I could never live and you paid the price to bring me back into your table, bring me back into your presence Jesus, today I pray that we would know that passion and that saving grace. Jesus, you rose from the grave, breaking every chain, every barrier, every sin, and sending your spirit to fall upon us so that we can cling to you and know you. And so, God, right now I pray for us as men that we would know you more, that we would or for whatever situation that we face, that we would fight this battle of knowing your heart, God. And that would overflow into our relationships today and tomorrow and forever. And Jesus, today I pray for everyone in this room, if there's ways that we've ceased to submit to you, to give our lives, Give us my heart fully to you, oh God. I pray that today in these next few songs we reflect, that we will repent, that we will come back and we will ask you, Jesus, take all of me. Take all of me. We can trust that you are the good shepherd. You are the king of kings. You are the Lord of lords, the one who rules and reigns. And we can trust you that you're after my good for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.